Proverbs 22.6, a familiar proverb. I would guess almost everyone, if not everyone in this room, has heard it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, this is a, a really common proverb. If you had Christian um, parents or grandparents, it's possible that you've seen this hanging on the wall in your grandma's house or on a dish towel or, or maybe in a nursery you know, at your house uh, above the, um, you know, the, the, the something in your, in your nursery room there with a little train next to it that's all cute and things. It's a, a proverb that we rightly emphasize and want to think about when it comes to parenting. It's a part of what God has given us as wisdom for parenting. It's very appropriate that we would think about it and focus on it and hang it on our walls, but unfortunately, it's also a proverb that is often misunderstood. So I want us to think tonight not simply about what this proverb does mean, but I want us to think about what it doesn't as well. And I apologize if this ruins all of your conceptions of what this proverb has said for years. So let's start with what this proverb does not mean. You know, there's a, a common perception that this proverb is a promise, a promise like number A or letter A there on your handout, that faithful parenting will always lead to faithful children. Many think, based on this proverb or other texts of Scripture, that if we are faithful, if we train our children up in the way that they should go, that the guaranteed result and outcome is that they will be faithful for a lifetime. While that is a principle that Proverbs is teaching, that is not a guaranteed ironclad promise. If you've been with us through some of our previous studies of Proverbs, you know that the Proverbs are not promises. They're not guarantees about how life always works. Rather, they are principles of God's wisdom for how life normally works in the world that God has made and how we honor Him. So you think of a proverb like Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 that says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Principle is, you obey God's word, you live in the way God has designed, you keep his commandments, and your life will be longer and more peaceful. But that doesn't mean that everybody who dies young disregarded the commands of God, does it? It, it just means that that's the normal way God's world works. Or Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Well, you might can think of a time where you answered very gently, and it did not have that impact on someone else. But he says a harsh word stirs up anger. It's not a promise. It's a principle of how God's wisdom normally works in the world. While thinking of this proverb as a promise, misunderstanding in that way has led many faithful parents to unnecessary grief or guilt. When they see their child grow up and not walk in the ways of the Lord, and they agonize over the fact that surely the reason for that was my own failure. Now, it's true that all of us fail as parents, right? If the standard was perfect parenting to produce faithful children, all of us would fall short of that. None of us would have children who are faithful. And so it's right that all of us look back on our parenting and have things that we wish we'd have known earlier, we wish we'd applied more faithfully, or things that we could have done differently. But this proverb is not intended 
to cause you guilt if your children don't walk with the Lord for a lifetime. It's not a promise of that. It doesn't mean that God has failed you if that doesn't come to fruition. This Proverbs does not teach, does not mean that faithful parenting will always lead to faithful children. Nor does it mean that all children raised in a Christian home will eventually come to Christ. So some take it that way. You know, uh, parents that are talking about maybe a child who is, is wayward, who maybe used to be involved in church, but now they're not. They're in college or young adulthood. And, and they claim this as a promise that, well, you, trained them in a, you raised them in a Christian home, so we know that at some point they'll come back to that when they're, when they're old. Again, this is not something that is promised in this proverb. It's something we hope for and pray for and do trust that the influence of our home may well bear fruit later in their life, but it is not a promise that God gives. Again, when we misunderstand the promises of God or we make things that God says aren't promises into promises in our head, what happens is we are likely to lose trust in God because we think God hasn't been faithful to his word. We, we experience this as, with kids, right? Where, you know, my kids will ask me something like, can I do this? And I'll say, maybe. And somehow they've gotten in their head that maybe means yes. And so then they'll come back and say, dad, uh, I'm, I'm ready to do this. And I'll say, oh, well, we're actually not going to do that. And they're like, but you said we were going to do it. If they interpret me as having said we're going to do it, and then we don't, What's the result? Well, they start to say, I don't trust you. Uh, you're, you're not being true to your word. Well, the reality is, no, they just misunderstood what I said, probably somewhat intentionally to try to get what they want in a hopeful way. So, but it, it undermines their confidence. And so it can be with us with the Lord. If we, if we misunderstand or misrepresent what God has promised, we can begin to doubt his goodness or his power or his wisdom to think that he is not faithful when in fact he is. Children are responsible before the Lord for what they do with the truth they've been taught. Many times, children raised in Christian homes with faithful parents will embrace the truth of the gospel. That's a normal means God uses to change their heart, but it is not a guarantee, and this proverb does not say that it is. So what does this proverb mean? If it's not a promise that faithful parenting will always lead to faithful children or that all children raised in a Christian home will eventually come back to Christ, what does it in fact teach? Well, there's some debate about the interpretation, primarily for two reasons. You'll look at this proverb. It, states, it, it begins, train up a child in the way he should go. One of the things that's a bit unclear if you unpack this proverb and you study it in depth is, is two realities of that first uh, line. The first is where it says to train up a child. Now, in English, we have a pretty good idea of what that means, you know, in spite of the fact that we often put a little train by it on a, on a, a picture or something. We know it's not talking about a train. It's talking about bringing up, about, about the influence that we have, both discipline and correction and instruction, uh, about raising children. And certainly that's part of what the, the writer of Proverbs here intends, but it's really a unique word that is not often used in the context of parental influence. In fact, it's often translated in, in the other times that it's used, and it's not real common in the Old Testament, as dedicate. 
So you can read about it in, in Deuteronomy 20, verse 5. It says, The officer shall speak to the people, saying, Who is the man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise, he may die in the battle, and another man would dedicate it. Same word. 1 Kings 8, uh, 63 talks about Israel dedicating the house of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 7, all the people dedicated the house of the Lord. It's not the most common word that is used for dedicating things to the Lord, but it has an emphasis on, on initiating or inaugurating something, on how something is started. Uh, it's, it's, again, not really emphasizing dedicating to someone. It's not like a, a, a um, you know, promotion for child dedication that we did in our evening service, but it, it does reflect that idea of, of how we commit to start in the training and raising of our children. You know, the, the way we start, the, the, the way we begin as parents, and the way we begin with our children matters. You know, you think of, of something like bowling. My girls went bowling with some friends over spring break, and they came back and they were excited because one of them got like 110, which was better than most of the time our family has ever gone bowling. Um, and, but when you bowl, you know, if, if you are off just a little bit at the beginning, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, you roll it down the lane. Sometimes you're like way off, and it's like, yeah, that's got no hope. But if you're off just a little bit, you're like, ooh, maybe. And then the farther the ball goes, the more you realize it's off, and eventually it's like drops into the gutter, you know, down by the pin. And you're like, ah, oh, what happened? Well, you were off a little at the beginning. Harder to tell. Didn't seem as big of a deal. But the longer it goes, the more that shows up. See, the way we start parenting, the, the early years of parenting matter. That's one of the reasons why I think this word is used here, that focus on how we begin influencing our children. But again, because it's a, a less common word, there's some, uh, been some debate over it. But uh, uh, the more pressing reason why I think there's debate about this verse is that phrase, the way he should go, is, is not in the original language, in the, the way that it looks in English. If you have a New American Standard Bible, you'll notice a little footnote that says, train up a child, and it says literally, according to his way. That's a more literal rendering of this expression. And so um, there, there's some debate about what exactly is this phrase meaning. In English, it seems clear, train him up in the way he should go. But in the original Hebrew, it's, it's not quite as clear. Now, this is the common way English versions have translated it. Um, really, since the beginning, the, the King James translated it that way. Um, interestingly, this verse didn't show up, and this is more than some of you care to know, in the, the Septuagint. You've heard Tom talk about the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Somehow they mistranslating this verse or didn't have it in the Septuagint. And, and that's one of the ways that when there's unique Hebrew expressions, Bible scholars and teachers and commentators can say, well, what did they translate it as into Greek? That gives us some idea of what they thought it meant at the time of Christ, and we can benefit from that. Well, we don't have that luxury with this verse. And so literally, it's train up a child in, uh, according to his own way or in his own way. The New Legacy Standard Bible translates it that way. Train up a child according to his way, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And so for this reason, translators and teachers and commentators have come to a variety of conclusion, 
conclusions about what this verse in fact says. All of these are biblically defensible. They, they are true, even if they're not exactly what this text is teaching. So let's secondly consider what this proverb may mean. What this proverb may mean. You know, this may be just a general principle. Think the promise we talked about earlier that it's not, but that is generally true. It's not always true, but it is generally true. The idea that faithful parenting generally leads to faithful children. Think of it this way. If you train your children in the way of wisdom, they will likely embrace that wisdom as they age. Again, this is biblically true. Parents are a normal means of grace that God uses to shape their children. They're the primary spiritual influence. That's what we've seen time and time again and we will see as we go through uh, the rest of our study even this year. It is reasonable for parents to, to expect that as we are faithful, God will use that in the lives and hearts of our children. This is why in places like Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3, when, when there's qualifications for leadership in the church, one of those qualifications is that they manage their household well. The result being that their children are, are faithful, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. doesn't mean that every faithful parent will have kids who never rebel, but it does mean the normal expectation is you manage your household well, you train your children well, and the result is that they will at least have some measure of faithfulness, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. Again, this is not an ironclad guarantee. There are faithful parents who have faithless children. Each child is responsible for the Lord, but it's possible that that's what this proverb is saying. That generally, train your children well, and the expectation and hope and normal pattern is they will not depart from that even when they're old. The primary argument for this is that word, train up your child in the way he should go. If you study Proverbs, you see that, that idea over and over. We don't have time tonight to look at it, but Proverbs presents two ways, two paths. The path of foolishness and the path of wisdom. And so much of Proverbs is about the choice and the contrast of those two paths. We could look at, at Proverbs 1.15, do not walk in the way with them, with the evildoers. Keep your feet from their path. Proverbs 2.12, this is to deliver you from the way of evil. Proverbs 2.13, for those who leave the paths of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. And on and on and on and on and on we could go. So Proverbs presents this contrast of the way of wisdom and the way of folly. And so it is possible that this, um, this verse is telling us Train up a child according to his way, and that his way is God's way of wisdom that we should train our children in. One commentator puts it this way, the book of Proverbs is consistent in teaching that there is one and only one right way. It also acknowledges that there is a wrong path to be avoided. The idea is to train a child in the way of wisdom as explicated in the book of Proverbs, and this is none other than God's path. This fits with the primary parenting emphasis of the book that our instruction and our discipline and our training is directing them to the wisdom of God. You say, well, that sounds compelling. Obviously, that's what it means. Uh, it, it may well be. The, the primary weakness of this view 
is that it's largely based on that English addition, according to the way he should go, that is, is implied, if you, if you uh, believe that's what this is specifically referring to, and, and it refers to his way as God's, when the, most, the, the closest antecedent to that is, is likely the child. But again, this is certainly true. Proverbs emphasizes the importance of training our children in the way of God, and we should be faithful in that way. So it's possible it's a general principle. It's secondly possible that it's parental instruction. That it's teaching us how to parent, how to train our children. Think of it this way, that faithful parenting involves the tailoring of training to the individual child. This, this interpretation takes it as really train up a child in accordance to his nature or his bent. Not the normal way that Proverbs uses the way as a way of foolishness or a way of, of um, wisdom, but the manner of life, the nature of that particular child. One commentator puts it this way, the training prescribed is literally according to his, the child's way, implying it seems respect for his individuality and vocation. Another commentator says, according to the way can refer to according to the nature of. Here it would mean to dedicate the child or train the child according to the physical and mental abilities of the developing youth. Could be teaching us to train up a child uh, uh, according to his own way, according to his age and capacity, his learning style, his temperament, his giftedness. Uniquely tailoring the training that you give to the needs and the, and the manner, the nature of that particular child. Again, this is, this is largely um, uh, biblically true as we think about what the scriptures teach. We, we certainly can't talk to every child the same way. You understand talking to a two-year-old and talking to a 12-year-old is going to look differently. The scriptures acknowledge that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. And when I became a man, I did away with childish things. That's what Joe is talking about with the, the concern of oversimplifying the gospel because we think, oh, it's, it's a child, so I'll make it real simple. Well, we can't, we can't do that, but we do tailor how we talk to our children in a way that's different than how we would talk to an adult. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy in an apt answer. How delightful is a timely word. You see, instructing um, children, training children, is not just, you know, take the content and spit it out to them and they're good to go. You know, it's not a, a, a manual for an appliance that you get that's like, okay, this is all the information you need to know, just take it and go. No, there's, a, there's an intentionality of what we say and how we say it and how we're working with that particular child according to the need that they have. You know, it, it also acknowledges the reality biblically that you can't expect every child to have the same gifts and capacity. I love how God created a world that is diverse. <laughs> You know, you look at any kind of animal and all the variety that God has made. Any kind of, you know, the, the plants that we see, all the diversity God has made. And he's done that in people as well. We see that reflected in so many ways, and including the gifts that he's given to people in the church. Psalm 127, which we've studied, speaks of building our home and our children, that they become useful arrows 
And, and part of that is trying to help them become exactly all, or all that God intends them to be, cultivating the giftedness that God has given. You understand if you have more than one child that some will be more academic than others, some will be better working with their hands than others, some will be more outgoing than others, some will be more curious than others, some will be more emotional than others. We don't press every child into the same exact mold and say, you've got to be just like me or just like your brother or just like your sister. No, God made them different. We want them to be a wise version of them, a sanctified version of them, but we recognize that's going to look different from one child to another. And so our parenting, our training should take that into consideration. And as we seek to direct and train them according to how God has made them, that will bear fruit long term in their life. The primary argument for this view is that it, it takes his way as the unique manner of life for that child, as, as the way God made him or her, which we see reflected in the reality of, of the diversity of children that God has made. Now, this is a more unique understanding of way compared to how it's used uh, routinely through the book of, of Proverbs and seems somewhat unique to the overall message of Proverbs for parents. Doesn't mean it's not the case because obviously there are layers of of unique messaging that God gives through His Word. That brings us to a third possible interpretation, that it's not a general principle, it's not parental instruction, but that it's a sobering warning. It's a sobering warning. A warning that allowing a child to get their own way when they are young will likely lead to a life of self-centeredness. This takes the phrase, His own way, not as a good thing. It's related to the first view that there are two ways, the way of foolishness and the way of wisdom, and it says every child starts out on which of those paths? On the way of folly. And so if you train up a child, if you start a child down that road and you cultivate a child going in the direction that he or she will go by default, it will be a way of self-centered foolishness. As Proverbs 22.15 says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. This is the consistent message of Proverbs. The whole reason Proverbs exists is because children are foolish and they need to be taught and trained in wisdom. And so it is possible this proverb is, is not a cheery promise, it's not a cheery promise or a cheery principle, but that it is a sober warning. That if you train up a child according to his own way, according to how he wants to go, that the result is even when he's old, he will not depart from that path of foolishness. One commentator puts it this way, in some, the proverb implies that the religious and moral initiation of the youth be oriented from the first to counteract his foolish way. Essentially, that's the message of Proverbs 29.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way, literally a child who is, who is sent out, who is set free, who is neglected, that child brings shame to his mother. You know, it's easy in today's world for people to assume that children are, are basically good or morally neutral and that the parent's job is to step back and not mess them up. 
that we just allow them their own self-exploration. You, you know, you see probably the, the clearest example of that with how our world is handling gender at the moment. Where it's like we don't even have the courage and the conviction as a parent to tell our kids definitively what gender they are. Yeah, we're just going to let you go your own way. You figure that out. It's, it's destructive to the, to the utmost for children when they are allowed to go their own way. Not simply in that issue, but in all of life. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. They inherently have a way of sin, a disposition and pattern of rebellion against God. J.C. Ryle said, remember, children are born with a decided bias toward evil. If you let them choose for themselves, they're certain to choose wrong. The mother cannot tell what her tender infant may grow up to be, tall or short, weak or strong, but one thing the mother can say with certainty, he will have a corrupt and sinful heart. You see, this, this view of this verse, which is taught elsewhere in Scripture as well, is that uh, it recognizes those two ways of Proverbs and it understands that children are on one of those paths and they're all on that path of folly. If you start a child down that path, you let them continue down that path, they will likely stay on that path even when they're old. Now for some of you in this room, you are a testimony of God's grace in that that's also not a promise. You maybe didn't start right. Your parents didn't start you down the road well. You were selfish and self-centered and heading down a path of folly and God in His grace said, no, I'm going to draw you to myself. I'm going to get you off that path onto my path of wisdom. God can and does do that. And it's in many ways no more an amazing act of grace than when He takes somebody raised in a Christian home and, and gives them a new heart as well. God can and does do that work. But as parents, we have to understand God's responsibility that He's given us to shape and instruct and train our children from the time they are young. The primary weakness of this view, I think, is that it, it doesn't definitively address the other possible interpretations, so we can't say for sure. And it's, it's really just one of those verses that is not entirely clear for us. But it's one of those verses that is so simple and powerful that regardless of which of those interpretations it teaches, and thankfully they're all biblical ideas, so we don't have to agonize over the fact that, oh, should I believe that or not? Because the rest of Scripture makes it clear that it does give us some very powerful reminders and exhortations as parents. So I want us to close with what this proverb does mean. What does this proverb clearly and definitively help us to think about as parents? The first is that it matters that we train our children. This proverb and the book of Proverbs as a whole are a powerful reminder that faithful parenting matters. Children need parents. Children need discipline and instruction. They are not neutral. They need parents who are actively engaged, shaping them with conviction that is based on the Word of God. It is not an option for us to just say, well, we're going to let them go their own way and figure it out. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way which seems right to man. Your kids will pick a path that seems reasonable to them. And that path, it says, its end is the way of death. 
Because that's a sobering reality. And that's why Proverbs says parenting faithfully is not optional for us. That's why Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 we've, we've referred to previously says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him, he will not die. You shall strike him with a rod. And what? Rescue his soul from Sheol. See, parenting is a rescue mission that our kids uh, need us to be faithful in. It matters that we train our children. And it matters, secondly, when we train our children. Biblically training our children when they are young and when they are in our home is vital. You know, regardless of how one interprets this verse, the overall message is clear. You have a primary season of influence in the life of your child when they are young, when they are in your home, under your influence, and what is sown when they are young will be reaped when they are old. When they are old, they will still be shaped by, in, in most cases, the influence of parents when they're young. Even those of you who were saved out of a, uh, out of a situation where you did not grow up in a Christian home, you still battle influences from your childhood, don't you? There are things that you may be growing in, you may know you don't want to think that way, but it's harder for you because of the influence of your parents. And again, God is gracious, but training our children when they're young matters. One commentator puts it this way. He said, the verse, this verse admirably suits the optimism of the wisdom ideal. The earlier, the better. That's what this proverb is telling us. The, the earlier, the better. Don't neglect parenting when our children are young. While in no way a guarantee the, the parenting children receive when they're young has an impact. You sow seeds of letting a kid have their own way when they're little and you will likely reap a self-centered adult. You refuse to discipline and correct a child when they are young, they will eventually bring shame to you. That's Proverbs 29.15. A child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Discipline while there's hope. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. You know, with God's grace, there's always hope, but there are seasons where we are called to be faithful. That's the time of influence when our children are with us and when they're young. Consistently speaking biblically and appropriately to a child when they're young and you are likely to reap a wise adult. Provide wise and biblical counsel to your children based on the Bible and on carefully studying and listening to your child, and you will likely have a strong influence on them and on their character and on the decisions they make in a way that ultimately brings blessing to their life. Now, will that be smooth sailing, no problems, no bumps in the road, piece of cake, right? No, it won't. But as we are faithful to apply what the Scriptures have called us to, we trust that God will use that in the lives of our kids. We don't cling to fake promises, but we believe it matters what we do as parents because God says it does. So it matters that we train our children, when we train our children, and lastly, it matters how we train our children. We must submit to God's Word as our authority in how we parent. This proverb doesn't occur in isolation, does it? It occurs in the midst of old book of Proverbs, which are primarily written to help parents, dads, impart God's wisdom to their sons, all of us as parents, but especially for that purpose. And we can't say, well, I'll take this, this one 
and say, yeah, I, I believe it matters how I train my kids when they're young. And so I'm going to do that the way I think I should so that I'll get the outcome that I desire in my kids. No, we get to say it matters that we train our kids when they're young. And God tells us in the rest of Proverbs and the rest of his word exactly what it should look like for us to train our children. We don't have to wake up every day and say, huh, how should I train my kids today? What, what should I do today to help my kids have the best chance to succeed in life? We get to say, Lord, you've given us what we need. You've given us your word. It gives us the instruction that we need. And thankfully, it's simple. It's to discipline and instruct our children in the fear of the Lord to bring them up as God has called us to, holding out the truth of God and his word and his son to them. That's our joy. It doesn't answer every question for us. Doesn't tell you how to respond in every exact circumstance that you will face as a parent. You know, doesn't tell you what to do when your 12-year-old still lies sometimes about brushing their teeth and how exactly to handle that and what you should do and, and how, how, how you handle it when your child lost their third retainer. Do you buy the fourth or do they make the... It doesn't give you every detail but it gives you the principles and the wisdom to do so in a way that is faithful to the Lord and ultimately faithful to your kids. So if you want to hang up this verse in your kitchen, by all means do it. If you want to put a, a pretty picture of a train in this verse above your, uh, your, your, uh, your child's swing in their nursery room, do it. If you want it on every kitchen towel you have, great. But don't think of this verse as an ironclad promise. Think of this verse as principles that God has given to you that should motivate you to seize every opportunity you have as a parent with your kids in your home, knowing that's the means God has given for you to shape and influence them long after you're gone. That once you and I are no more and our kids are, are maybe still here if Christ hasn't returned, the world hasn't in, that they will be faithful and you'll still be influencing them even though the, the times of changing diapers and the late night conversations and all those things have passed. So train up a child according to his own way. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this verse. Thank you for the reminder that parenting matters. Lord, it matters because we long to see our kids live in a way that honors you. Lord, we want them to be successful in life, but we want them to be wise, living according to the design of their Creator, embracing your wisdom, not viewing it as a burden, but a delight. And I pray that we would be faithful to shape and influence our kids while you've given us that opportunity. Help us to be faithful to seize those days that you've given us, precious days that pass quickly. Help us to be faithful to train our kids, not with our own goals in mind, but with yours, not with our own means and methods, but with yours. Help us to be centered around you and to impart that truth to our kids. We love you. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen.